if you don't do it, that one you failed. That one, you've gotten a big honorary degree of failure. But the fact that you get up and you fail, you get up and you fail, one day when God, the stars, whatever you want to call it, lines up for you, that's for certain that you can break barriers. I see the walls before me, I feel the cages forming, seems like the world is falling, but I keep my head off the ground. I see the world before me, I know what change is coming, I hear the world is calling, so I keep my head off the ground. We break into everything. We break into Hello and welcome to the Barrier Breakers Corner, where we shift mindsets around various topics such as family, finance, relationships, dreams and visions, and most importantly, opportunities and how to walk into them. We want to annihilate the assumption that we cannot break barriers. Let me tell you this today. There is more on the other side of you breaking that barrier that you would never know unless you do. We break into everything. Hello and welcome to the Barrier Breakers Corner where we step out on faith and defy the odds. I am your host, Joyce Donker. Today we have our Barrier Breaker of December 2022. She's none other than an amazing Solace Awumi, also known as Lala. <laughs> She's so busy. It's been like trying to get her onto the podcast, but here we are. Excited to have you on here, Lala. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure. It's an honor. Thank you so much. I actually asked you to introduce yourself instead of me introducing you. So please tell us about yourself. <laughs> oh, boy. Okay. So my name is Solace Awumi. As stated, I am a data privacy attorney and I love everything data. I love everything tech. Most people confuse data privacy and tech, but we'll get into that later on as we start to converse. What do I like to do for fun? And at this point, I'm just adding my own <laughs> intro. No stuff, problem at all. Let's see. So I always tell this story. I used to love to read, right? Until I went to law school and having to read all of law school and then read as my day job. Now I just find myself watching <laughs> what I would read. And so now I take to watching movies, shows, and of course, reviewing them on Instagram. So yeah, that's... <laughs> that's Enigma Reviews. That is correct. Yes. I was just scrolling through and I was like, oh, okay, this will be a good thing for me to be doing because... It takes me hours to log on to my Netflix. It's like looking for a movie. And then I end up not choosing any movie because I spend two hours looking for one movie. To yeah, watch. it's so tough, honestly. And this thing started out as just something fun because when I found something good to watch, I'd be like, oh, like this is good. Yeah. And then people really started getting into my DMs on mm -hmm. Instagram talking about Auntie Netflix, what should I watch today? <laughs> Auntie Netflix. So, yes, literally, like people started calling me Auntie Netflix. <laughs> and so what I did was I was like, okay, you know what? Instead of people being in my inbox, mm -hmm. let me just create a page 
And then I'll just put everything that I watch. I'll review it. And the good thing about me is when it comes to movies, I'm very versatile. I watch almost anything because I don't do horror. That's the one thing that I don't do. So I won't do horror. But surprisingly, a lot of people recommend shows. I've gotten really touching messages in my inbox about some of the movies because some movies and shows I've watched and reviews and reviewed touch on emotional abuse, physical abuse, sometimes sexual assault, sometimes, and just really so societal issues. And I didn't realize that people were watching these shows and were relating to it in a different way or beyond just entertainment. So it came full circle for me. It's been rewarding. So yeah. I think that's really great. I have a friend of mine that when she was younger, which I think I'll be doing as well, her parents would ask her after watching any movie, what did you learn Mm -hmm. from it? So it's not just about watching the movie just because of the hype. Oh, I want to watch this movie. But at the end of the day, whether it was a shooting movie or a love movie or whatever movie she was watching, they always ask her what she'll learn from it. I think that's a very good thing to always ask yourself for every movie that you watch, you know, whether it made you cry, like why did it make you cry? Where did it hit or where did it touch you? So I think that's a very good thing. So I'll definitely be going on ending my reviews to be actually spotted some movies that I think I need to watch as well. So, and I'm a very emotional person. So I try not to watch too much of emotional stuff because then I'll just be crying the whole time. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say, because sometimes I just want to watch a movie just pure entertainment. I don't want any philosophical or mind. Sometimes I just want to watch a show just for the entertainment. So sometimes that matters too. I guess when whatever you're feeling that day, because sometimes you don't want to be thinking too much. After thinking so much at work and then you come and start watching a detective movie. (laughs) Tell me about it. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) let's dive into (laughs) our story for today. Have you always wanted to become an attorney? Absolutely. I think from the very moment I could think for myself. Okay. So I guess I was more cognizant of things before the age of eight, but since eight years old, from what I can remember, I've always wanted to be an attorney and I never deviated from it. As a matter of fact, when I ended up in law school is one of the things that I pushed back to God because (laughs) I was like, I don't have a plan B Mm. if I don't make it here. Mm -hmm. I don't know what I'm going to do. So yes, I've always known that I wanted to be a lawyer. And I don't know if this is like an African thing or a Ghanaian thing, but most times when people think you can argue, they say, oh, you should go to law school. (laughs) And then you go to law school and you realize arguing is going to get you the quickest F you can ever get in your life. <laughs> That's not what it's about in law school. So it's quite interesting. I don't know. I think it's an, um, an African thing where when you argue, they are like, you're supposed to be a lawyer. You be a lawyer, right? I would have been a lawyer, but then I would have been late in life because I said that I actually became more vocal after high school. So when I was wow. in high, during school, I was really reserved. Kid wouldn't talk, but I started becoming more vocal after high school, actually when I was going to uni. So it just changed for me. It's never too late. <laughs> I think I'm in finance and I've done audit for almost 10 years. And at this point in my life, to tell you the truth, I am tired of reading. Yeah. <laughs> like you said, earlier, I understand mm-hmm. you read so much that I'm part of a book club. And I think since May, I haven't really read and it's bothering <laughs> me because I love right. to read. And then I think now that you say it, it's making me realize that it's because 
I've been reading so much policies and regulations. Yeah, you don't want to read for fun anymore. No, yeah. exactly. It's just like, even I just picked up a Sissy Winans. I just got a Sissy Winans book in the mail as part of the book mm-hmm. club. And I really wanted to read it. And I started reading. It's a really good book to read. Especially when it's a memoir. I love memoirs. But mm-hmm. I'm not even finding the enthusiasm to read the book. I've got, got a couple pages. I'm someone that if I want to read a book, like when Cecilia Tyson's book came from the book club, I finished it in a week. You know, that junkie book, I finished it in a week. So wow. I was so looking forward to the thinking it was going to be the same now. So this thing where I'm like, okay, you don't have a plan B. I feel like I have a plan B with Barry Rickers Corner. I can go and do stuff with the community, stuff with young people and all of those things. So maybe I need to deviate and just <laughs> go that way. But I'm still praying about it. But yeah, how excited were your parents when you knew that you wanted to become an attorney to go into this law field? That is quite interesting. I don't think I've ever gotten a question like that before. Wow. And quite honestly, it didn't matter. It didn't matter <laughs> whether they were excited or not. And I say that in the most humble way because I didn't choose my career path to make my parents happy. It just so happens that the career path that I chose made them happy or I guess was acceptable to them. But I didn't pick it because like my mom said oh be a lawyer or they actually did that to my sister my mom did that to my sister and when I was growing up I remember my mom would tell my sister you become a lawyer for me okay you, it, was, it was just quite interesting but for some odd reason growing up it just never occurred to me mm-hmm. that I should do something because my parents wanted me to I, I, I don't recall ever having a, a conversation with my mom or dad about what I should become so that's really interesting. That's the only reason why I ask is just like the story of your sister, because most parents are like, oh, you have to be a lawyer. This one is going to be a doctor. Like they already define what someone has. It's nothing like you need to be an IT technician or something like that, or go and be a TikToker <laughs> or be a <laughs> Or a dancer. There's nothing like, it was just like law banking and all of the other things that they, they deemed as like high quality positions that would get you somewhere. But unfortunately for some people, they can't. Some parents have pushed them to a point that, yes, they go get a degree and then give it back to their parents and say, here, take your degree. Now I get to go do what I want to do. And that's wasting so many years of your life, the money you've spent. And student loan. So that's it. And so for you, how has the journey been like in the field? I like to be practical Mm -hmm. and transparent. It has not been easy for me. Mm. Even though I knew I wanted to be a lawyer since I was eight years old and I didn't deviate, like I said earlier, Mm -hmm. I think everything that I did was very strategic. I'm weird to the extent that from a very young age, I always had five-year plans. Mm -hmm. I'm weird to the extent that I was very calculative about when I applied to law school because mm-hmm. engaging my graduation date, there are times where there's just like an influx of graduating lawyers, right? right. And then depending on how many pass the bar, mm-hmm. sometimes there's just too many lawyers. And then that, I guess that cohort starts fighting over jobs, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But that had already happened in the prior year. So I was on track to graduate in a time where lawyers were going to be needed by God's grace. So I did my research. I looked at the statistics and I did that. But my journey through law school into my career was very difficult. Law school till date has been the hardest thing that I have 
ever had to do my wow. whole life. I ran into some hurdles. I'm not, I realized also fast that I'm not a good test taker. I'm a great student, but mm-hmm. I am a horrible test taker. Mm-hmm. And so I had to take the LSAT a couple of times and then apply to school. And I remember even applying to school. It was difficult for me to get into my first choice. Right. And so what happened was my third choice ended up reaching out to me like later on. And then I prepared to go to law school and everything. And then there was a hiccup. And then my acceptance letter got rescinded. Wow. Yes. That's a story for another day. But it crushed my soul. And I don't know, maybe God had his way of doing things. I want, I really want to emphasize on that because another school that I had not applied to sent me an invite to apply to the school. And so I did. And when I did, because the other school that I had applied to, I had my scholarships and everything. Mm -hmm. I was on a roll. Okay. I remember talking to the Dean one time and he was like, Solace, you're going to be a star verbatim. So I was like on a high Mm -hmm. and then something happened and then my acceptance letter got rescinded. Mm -hmm. So I was down and then this invitation came up and I was going to go from somewhere cold to somewhere warm. And so I applied. I told them what had happened with my last application. Mm -hmm. They gave me back all of my scholarships, but I had to move to Florida within two weeks. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it was crazy. So I did that. I won't lie. Sometimes when I have my heart on something Mm -hmm. and then it doesn't go as planned, I can, it dampens my spirit a bit. So yes, I moved to Florida, but I was still hurt. Mm -hmm. about the whole situation. And so, and this is why the God factor is so important because sometimes when God redirects us, we don't understand it in the moment until later because three years later, when I've graduated law school, the school that I wanted to go to closed down. So if I had gone there, it would have affected. Yeah. So they ended up closing. And so, and they closed during the time that I was still in school. So (laughs) it would have been just bad. Yeah. So so that was tough. And then like my first semester, I didn't have any guidance and I worked hard (laughs) rather than smart. So now when I have my mentees, I tell them, trust me, it does you no good to prove to anybody that you're smart because everybody else that got into the same school as you are Mm -hmm. equally smart. (laughs) What you need to do is work smart, not Mm -hmm. hard. So then going through that and then coming out of law school (laughs) and taking the bar four times, failed the bar three times and passed on the fourth try. Wow. So my journey has not been anywhere close to Rosie at all. But I think again, and I may be jumping ahead, Mm -hmm. but if I was to advise anybody that wants to go to law school, because law school is not a joke, right? I always say you have to have the passion for law school because when times get hard, it is that passion that's going to get you through. Remember I said, I didn't have a plan B. So I had no choice. I didn't have the luxury of giving up at all. So yeah, that's pretty much been my journey, but we overcome. We overcome for sure. Yeah. That's a very wonderful story. And we will have to dive into what failure is and what it meant to you. But your story reminded me of this lady's story 
sorry, I grabbed my phone to look for her name. I can't remember her name. I think she's called Amber or something. I don't know what I've heard of her on Twitter. I think she failed her bar like so many times <laughs> that she finally passed it. Was it this year or last year? Wow. And yeah. I was just looking for her story, but I forgot her name. I think she's Amber, but I went to look for Amber. But of course, there are so many Ambers, <laughs> but not Amber Heard. <laughs> but yeah, her story is so amazing. I was just like, so you saying that just reminded me of her story. And I was like, wow, this thing, people think that, of course, when you fail, you get hurt. Of course, when things don't the way you want to, you get hurt. And sometimes it might get you to depression mode, but the God factor, praying is important. Like just going back to God and just praying and asking for direction. It's so, so important because then at the end of the day, like Absolutely. your story, you realize how God is delivering you from something that you didn't even see. Because even that alone, when I was, I studied in London. And so while I was in London, I remember a school closing down because they didn't have the right documentation or something. And so most of those students, their certificates are canceled they have to come to our school and they have to start all over again. Imagine the money. If you were to graduate that like the following month or the next year, that's null. It's like you have to start all over again and that's expensive. So right. God really protected you from something you didn't even know at that time that was going to happen. And how did it feel like going through all these failures from LSAT to the bar? And what do you know? That, so two in one. So what do you know now about failure? How did you feel then? And what do you know now about failure that if you're ever faced with failure again, I don't know whether we ever get to, maybe we get better, but let me answer the question, but let me hear what you have to say. Yeah, no, I don't think that you can ever prepare for failure because mm. I think number one, failure means different things to different people, but even to the same person, I think the things that cause failure can be different, right? So maybe how I would feel towards failing an exam in school is different from I would feel failing the bar exam. Those are two different things. So I don't think that. And once you move from one hurdle to another, you just face another one. But I think in all, failure doesn't scare me as much as regret. I don't think even in business, right? Oh my gosh, I've tried so many things and it's failed <laughs> and I've had to redo something else, pivot, do yeah. something else. And so when I meet people, because I've met people in my life that are like people that are serial like preparers, like, but they never execute. And that's what makes them feel safe. Yeah. Because in their mind, what is really their fear mm -hmm. is taking the step, not preparing for it. Yeah. And so because I'm an action person, I'm an executioner, mm -hmm. <laughs> not in the other way. So I'm a doer, just do. So mm -hmm. it helps me. So when I think about failure, it doesn't, it hurts. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. It hurts depending on what it is. I think the bar stole my self-esteem. It stole my confidence. It shattered me as a person. And people didn't know I was going through it because people are know me to be very outspoken and very confident. And but that I would find myself in rooms and be quiet hmm. on topics that I knew about because yeah. I just felt that because I didn't pass the bar that first time I was incompetent or I wasn't smart. And that's not what it is. If I begin to break down the bar to you, it only has like maybe 30% to do with how smart you really are. Everything else is chance. Yeah, that the failure thing is just, whew, 
I feel like I'm growing in that era. I think we all are still. I am still. Yeah. Because like you said, you never prepare for failure. So when it comes, it hits you and it hits you in a way. But thank God, I don't want to sound so cliche because it would be like, thank God you can pray, you get up, you pray. But there are realistic things that you do go through, the pain, the shock, the depression mode. Sometimes you don't even want to pray. But one of the things that I was actually telling someone recently was going through so much. And I was like, there comes a time where I get so torn. I get so down. And back then I wouldn't pray. Back then I wouldn't, I just throw my Bible somewhere. I didn't want to listen to the word or anything. But one thing that has helped me recently is I just whisper. I just start Mm -hmm. whispering to myself because I like, I literally do not even have the strength to say it out loud. Speak even on a normal not even a high note, just normal note. I don't even have the strength. So I just whisper a scripture or whisper to myself, I can do all things to Christ. Like I'm even yeah. loud right now. I'll literally whisper it because I don't even have the strength. And that's what has been helping me. So I was telling the person, just whisper the strength that you have, the little strength that you have left. Just use us to whisper a word, whisper positivity. And then you see yourself coming. You might not come back fully in that moment, but eventually by the end of the day, you feel much, much better. You'll be in a better place. And sometimes you just need to talk to somebody as well about the situation. Sometimes these things happen and you don't even know who to talk to. Even though your friends are there, even though your family is there, but will anyone even understand what I'm going through? Yeah, and the thing is, how do you even articulate something that they can't relate to? Because I want to stress that praying part is so important Mm -hmm. because sometimes I know that like for Christians especially, right? If not for God, because just because we are Christians don't, well, does not exempt us from the issues of life or the struggles of life. And so when you are going through those same struggles, if you don't have God, you don't know what you're going to do to yourself. What I'm talking about, like during that time when I couldn't pass the bar and the bar is only offered twice in a year. If I failed it twice that year, I had to wait till the next year to be able to take it. And so nobody knew what I was going through. A lot of people, I didn't have a lot of people that I could talk to that could actually relate with what I was going through. And so holding on to God is very important. And to your point about the whispers, that's something I had to learn during that moment because we have this idea, and I think it is an African thing, where we have this idea that, We have to scream and shout and pray for over an hour for God to hear us. And when you, it's not that you don't want to do it, (laughs) it's that you can't do it. Your body has failed you. Your mind has failed you. Your lips has failed you. And even the Bible says you're in the groaning. God hears those. Yes. So, So I had to be honest with God and say, look, I don't have the energy to stand and walk up and down in my condo and pray and hit her baba, hit her baba this, but you can hear my inner groanings. And it's very difficult because there's some times where you just want to stay silent. The saying goes, uh, a closed mouth doesn't get fed, right? right? So I find that honestly, even my God help me. Mm-hmm. It's enough in those moments. I'm not talking about the moments when I have the strength to actually pray in the night, but the times where I really can't, my three seconds of God help me. I feel like it moves mountains. Yeah. So that's what I would say about that. Those moments are equally as important yeah. as the other moments when you have the strength to mm-hmm. pray. Yeah. So true. This part of this conversation is really deep because it's like, 
a lot of people don't know. And like you said, a lot of African people are like, if I don't go and do one hour, two hours, then I haven't done anything. But that silent prayer, it has really helped me. So I was just like, you got to do it. Just do it. Just whisper. It's so, so true. Yeah. The inner groanings. And then there's a part in the scripture that says God is near to the contrite in spirit or something like that. Let me not even lie about the scripture, but it's something about being contract right. in spirit and he's near to us and he hears our cries. So one of the questions that asked in church was like, what father will wait until you have inner groaning, seeing that you're struggling? <laughs> <laughs> but sometimes it feel like that sometimes. You just have to, he's teaching us stuff. stuff. He's, there are lessons to learn along the way. And one of the things that I even do, even in those times that God, even now for me, I'm in a season in my life and I'm like, okay, what are the areas that you want me to run? Because I know that you're taking me somewhere. But it's a struggle right now. So what do you want me to learn right now? What are the things? And then you point out stuff to me and I'm like, okay, next thing, mm. next time, this is what mm-hmm. I'm going to do. These are the things I want to put in place so that I don't have to be in the same boat again. So sometimes it's just what are the lessons you need to learn in this period? But yeah, this was really amazing part of the story. I think it's really important that people come to that awareness and just push through and just keep going. Yeah. So what I've, I've been seeing you when on social media and I'm like, yay, I just feel like so, so happy <laughs> and so proud of you. And I don't know what I want to tell some of the wins, if you can, just to encourage somebody out there that through the fails, through the failures, there are some winnings that come and become in an amazing way. And God shows out for you. The Bible says what eyes have not seen, what ears have not heard, nor what has entered the heart of man. God does it. That is crazy because that is the scripture that guides my life. Second Corinthians 2, 9. Yes, no eye has seen, no ear has heard. That is the scripture of literally my life. Mm. And I don't know how to answer that question because I think, and really, I don't want to sound cliche. The fact that I have life really is a win for me. Because without it, I won't be able to have anything else. And it's hard for me to even count what is considered a win for me because I still have so much to do. I still have a long way to go. So I don't know. I just feel like I'm on this journey. That's it. And so I don't even know. Like, I, I can't even say, okay, this was a win. This was a win. I think I know one particular thing that you're talking about, like me being senior vice president, which is interesting because I left that position, but I still have the same title in a different place. Not the senior vice president, but I'm still DPO at a different place. And it's quite for God to open that door for me. Yeah. Told me a lot. Yeah, That position came to me 10 years early, Oh wow! but set me up for all of my roles moving forward. Wow. Because at this point, it's DPO, CPO, like those are the titles that I look for when I'm applying. So I think, again, going back to God's ways are not our ways. It just set me up the right way. Yeah, that is so true. God's within our ways. And I just wanted to say that maybe would it be that your diligent working is what got you to that point? I'm not saying apart from what God did. No, God is part of it. But will the diligent work? I, I'm saying diligently because that's what we studied in on Sunday at Sunday school <laughs> about diligently working and how when you work, you do everything as unto the Lord. So 
Would you attribute that to part of the wins or getting to this point in your life? Absolutely, because I think that Christians do this thing where we cover up our laziness with God, right? And God cannot do anything for you if you cannot do the work as Mm -hmm. well. So, you know, I'm by no means making it seem God came down and then did my work and then I got the accolades. Absolutely not. I think that what God did for me was set me up in a place where he knew I could excel and I did the rest. And so, so let me share this journey about data privacy. Mm -hmm. Because it's such an unconventional and a non-traditional practice of law that people don't recognize, which is funny because all of my peers (laughs) that went the traditional route and most of them come to me on LinkedIn. They're like, how do I get in the privacy space? How do I do this? How do I do this and data privacy, yada, yada, Mm -hmm. which I thank God for because this was not where I thought I was going to be. And the power of the tongue is so, so, so important. The tongue is powerful. I remember in law school, I said, I want to do cyber law. Mm. I didn't know what that meant, but I just knew that like the internet was taking over. There were just so many things happening. I'm like, there's a wave that is coming. I don't know what it's called, but I want to be a part of that. I'm going to call it cyber because I don't know what it's called yet. So I always told my professors I wanted to do cyber law, which is interesting because I went to law school thinking I was going to do human rights. And when I got into law school and actually studied human rights, I was like, "Uh uh-uh, not for me. Mm -hmm. Now, I'm an empath. (laughs) So I quickly realized in law school that I couldn't practice any type of law that would get me emotionally involved in my mm, cases. Listen. <laughs> so I stayed far away. I think I did an externship in this facility where there's domestic abuse and stuff. The court renders judgments and then certain parents that may have been abusive or whatever the situation may be, they have to have supervised visitation of their families or mm-hmm. their children. Mm-hmm. So I would have to go to the facility. They have the schedules. The one parent will bring the child and then the other parent would visit the child, but they can only spend time with the child under supervision, mm. which is sad. And yeah. I would always leave that place crying. And I stopped going because I couldn't do it. I couldn't do family law because honestly, as you were sitting at my table, you're telling me about your divorce and you are crying me too. I'm crying with you because what is going on? I can't. So I found peace in entities, knowing that my clients were entities. Don't get me wrong. There are people behind the entities, but my loyalty is to the entity itself. And so my emotions don't have to get involved. This is business all the way. So I knew coming out that I wanted to do cyber, but I know I wanted to do compliance. So when I came out, I started applying to compliance roles, but I wasn't getting any calls back. I'm like, what is going on? Because my resume, if I send you my resume right now, I look for some odd reason. I look so scary on my resume. Yeah, it's crazy. I'll send it to you. I'll show it to you after (laughs) this podcast. And I'm like, why am I not getting any calls? And so I quickly recognized that the applications or the places that I wanted to work at, Mm -hmm. I was missing a trivial thing, which was speaking tech. So Uh. my resume reflected the law that I know. 
but okay. it didn't reflect that I had any tech experience. Right. So my pastor told me something. I remember <laughs> I was talking to him again, God. Mm-hmm. I remember talking to him and he said, why don't you take one of these classes, IT classes? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm one of those people, if I see everybody going right, I'm going to go left because why? Oh why my is God, going me right? too. <laughs> you know, <laughs> if everybody is jumping, I'm going to be asking questions. Wow. Mm-hmm. So this was when IT, everybody started taking the class and things like that. I'm like, yeah, no, I'm not going to do that. Right, right. But he introduced me as he was talking to the professor that was teaching the IT course. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So immediately he had already committed me without me saying yes. And out of respect for my pastor, I was like, okay, fine, I will go. But you see, (laughs) the first day of class, on my way to class, I told God, I'm just doing this out of respect for my pastor. (laughs) You did not call me to do IT. IT. You called me to be an advocate. I will go to this class out of respect. Mm -hmm. And I give this professor five minutes. He doesn't say anything. That makes sense as to why a lawyer should be in this IT class without leaving law and diving into IT fully, I am taking my bag and I'm walking out because there are things God needs me to do and I'm not about to be in this class not doing them. I said, God, I give this man five minutes. (laughs) So I go into the class and the weirdest thing happens. In the first five minutes of his lecture, Mm -hmm. he was talking about the certifications that the class was going to prepare people for. And I don't know if it's because he knew that I was a lawyer, but he looked at me and he pointed at me and he said, specifically for lawyers, this is a certification that you can get. Mm -hmm. I said, oh, really? (laughs) I said, oh, God, I see what you did there. Right. (laughs) So it goes without saying that after that, I stayed throughout the class. Wow. So after the class, I woke up to, because I think the class was like either eight to like 12 weeks or something like that. Mm -hmm. I went to the professor. I said, hi, my name is Solace. I only got 12 weeks. I will give you four weeks. Mm-hmm. And then I'm out of this class. Mm-hmm. And he literally looked at me and laughed. <laughs> and he said, you know what? How about you come the next class and we'll talk about it. <laughs> right. So I said, okay. So I left and then I did my assignment. I did everything. Mm-hmm. Went to the next class. After class, I said, sir, you told me to come back the next class. I've done my assignment. I've even done the one for next week. So what are you saying, my guy? Because I don't have 12. I can't give you 12 weeks of my life. I can only give you four. So I don't know if it was like my zeal or I don't know if he thought I was a joke. I don't know what it is. But he actually enabled me. Like he just, he started meeting up with me twice, three times in a week. I was done with that class in four weeks. Oh, wow. And I was out. So then I actually, with my new understanding Mm -hmm. of data work and tech work, I was able to include that with my business and compliance skills and everything that I knew already from the legal world Mm -hmm. into my resume. And I got my job. And so with data privacy is basically how data travels in organizations Mm -hmm. and the 
obligations that the law puts on companies or organizations to protect that data mm-hmm. as a consumer mm-hmm. and security is how the protection happens. And so in my day job, I work with a lot of security folks, which is why mm-hmm. I needed to learn tech because right. they use a lot of tech jargon and I have to understand what they're saying in order to do my mm-hmm. legal work and everything. But I am not an IT professional, if that makes sense. I work with them, but I'm not an IT professional. Yeah. And so it's quite interesting how full circle the whole thing came to me. And then from there, I started to, there are some laws that came out like the GDPR that sets like the global standard for data privacy. And then the U.S. started releasing their laws. And I was privileged to be a part of like teams that pioneered like getting companies ready for these laws to go into effect. And so I built my skills there. So now it's like most of the time, I'm in companies because they need my help to build the data privacy. That is so good. That is so good. Look at what God did. Look at God. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I can't even take credit for that. I saw, I think one of your posts, you're talking about, you know how when you go on the social media, not not social media, but on Google and you're searching for something, then it'd be like, accept all cookies and all of those things. Yes. Yeah, some pages that it's like, I always click on all cookies because they don't even give you the option to choose, say no. When I see the option, no, I remember that post and I'll be like, no. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. And that's why I had that because I wanted to teach consumers the little that they can do. So I had, I remember when COVID hit and we were on lockdown, that's where Clubhouse became very big. And I had a podcast on Clubhouse called The Privacy Paradox. And basically what The Privacy Paradox is that When you ask people, consumers, if they like their privacy or they think their privacy is important, they'll say yes. When you ask them, what do you do to protect your privacy or to protect your data? It's like they do nothing. Yeah. So it's like a paradox because I say, oh, this is so important to me, but I do absolutely nothing to actually protect it. Mm -hmm. So I had that so that I could educate consumers Mm -hmm. on the little ways that they could protect their data without Mm -hmm. selling too much or giving too much of themselves away. And the cookies thing is one of those things. Mm -hmm. When you go on websites, you should always look for the settings. You need functional cookies because a website can't work without those cookies. But targeting cookies, those are the ones that really track your activity on the website and then builds a profile on you so that they can target you for certain ads yeah that's why you'll be seeing some random ads be coming on you're like how did they know i was thinking about this and absolutely you know you share a picture of a dress and then you see that dress on your feet like how (laughs) yeah absolutely actually laughing earlier when you're talking about how empathetic you are because Mm -hmm. that's the reason why i didn't want to become a doctor nurse like i was like if i'm in that field I'll be coming home to my spouse and be talking about how this person, what happened to this person and be crying all the time and just be emotional all the time. And you'd be depressing your partner or your family every single day. And I was like, there is no way I can do that. Like you would tell me your story. If something bad happens in the hospital and I have to break the news to the family, I feel like I'll be the one crying before. Yes. Yes. So that's why then you're speaking my language. (laughs) Exactly. I'm like, I could never be in that field. I don't know how I could know. Even when I moved here and they were like, you have to do nursing. I was like, no, these are some of the reasons why I cannot. No, I'll be too emotional. I'll be so attached to the patients. Now I can't. Oh, yeah. 
I agree. I always say I would kill more people as a nurse, a doctor, anything else and save more lives as a lawyer. So what are some of the lessons you've learned along the way? Ooh, I think I've learned lots of lessons and I keep learning them. Loyalty is very big for me in my life mm. as a part of the way that I live. But in the corporate world, I realized that people are very disposable. And so I realized that honestly, having loyalty to a specific company is not as <laughs> beneficial <laughs> as you think it is. And always remember, because I think for the longest time, we've been brainwashed to think that when looking for a job, it's a one-way street, right? And that you have to impress your employer. But no, it's a double interview. You have to interview them just as much as they are interviewing you. And so just as much as you are disposable, they should be disposable as well. I think that discernment is key in finding the right place to be because sometimes, and I know people are listening. So guys, remember that the money can be good, but the environment can be toxic and that is not healthy. Yeah, yeah. And you can find best case scenario, you find a job that pays you well and the environment is conducive. There's positive energy. There's They allow you to be flexible. They allow you to be the best version of yourself. They're not micromanaging. You have the autonomy to actually do what you're supposed to do. It's just a place that fosters healthy work environment. Yeah. And that to me is what I've learned is the most important thing in picking the right role and being in a workplace or a company. Yeah. The reason why I'm smiling before you go to any other lessons, if you have any, is because I always, I used to be the type that think, that thought that staying at one company 10 years, 20 years makes you like the greatest, like you've done amazingly well. But I realized that there comes a time that you have a grown up certain place. And I start for me personally, I start getting itchy and mm -hmm. like uncomfortable just because I'm like, I've learned everything. What's there to learn again? I want to grow. I want to learn more. And if you are someone that loves learning and growing and learning new things, some of these things happen to you and you are like, I need to move out of this place. Not that it was a bad company or anything. You've just learned so much that whatever you're doing is not just repetition and you don't put in so much love or passion like you used to. So for me personally, that's what I've learned. And so now I'm just like, mm, okay, let's, let's have to move out of this place. Yes, that's a good. And sometimes God has a way of letting you know when it's time. So you either take heed or he forces you out or something weird happens. So sometimes, you know, it's very important to know when to move. The next lesson can double as like career and personal life lesson is I've learned to not put all of my eggs in one basket. And that goes for career as well. Don't just focus on that one dream company or that one dream job per se. Like diversify, right? And the same in your personal life with anything that you do. Don't lock yourself into one thing because you could be missing out on something else. Yeah, that is so true. You're speaking to me right now because I've been doing audit for so long and it's okay. Now I've, I've gained so much knowledge in audit, but now I'm like, okay, I would love to do something else. And the shift is a little too much because I've just done 
operations for a few, I'll say a couple of months or so. Meanwhile, I've done audit more than operations. So I'm just like, I would love to do operations. I enjoy doing operations management, but of course I did it when I was back home. But then now I'm like, okay, I want to do that shift in that area. And it's, it's becoming tough because all yeah, like my resume is like audit accounting. So, and a little bit of that operations. Now I just want to move there. It's becoming tough. And I'm like, you know what? I'm not going to give up. I'll just keep pushing. There will be that one company that would definitely want to reach out. But what you said is really true. God, you have to move out of there and you don't move. You'll be a, a big shaking. <laughs> That comes with being spirit led as well, because then, because if you are not, you just be there before you realize they are firing you or something. Yeah, those are great. Those are great lessons. Not putting all your eggs in one basket. So for me, it's like, okay, speak to me, Lord, speak to me. <laughs> yeah, no, seriously, that was a big lesson I had to learn. So, yeah. yeah. What do you know now that you wish you had known when you were younger? What do I know now that I wish I knew? When I was younger, the only constant thing in life is change. Because when I was younger, I used to hate change. Oh my God, I hated change. And I used to pride myself in saying, oh, like one of the best things about me was the fact that all the things that you loved about me always stayed the same. And change to me was like the enemy. No, why? Why are you changing? But then I realized that change is constant. Change is constant. And now I don't even see them as change. I see them as evolving because I don't think that I've actually changed per se, but I think I've just evolved into a better version of myself. And I pray to continue to evolve into a much better version of who I am today. So it's okay to be a different person. Like now I'm such an advocate for you are not obligated to stay the same person you were even five minutes ago. Absolutely not. Yeah. It's okay to say, I've learned something different. Maybe yesterday I was a proponent of this, but now I've learned something different. So now my stance has changed. I think the issue that I have is with people that make it seem like they will never change. Like, cause I'm very strongly opinionated. So I get it. But when I meet people that are so strongly opinionated and then they're like, I will never, ever change. <laughs> it bothers me because, number one, I know that life has a funny way of letting you retract to those words. But number two, how do you now come back and say, you know what? Yesterday I was on this side, but today I've learned something new and now I don't believe in that anymore. And be okay with it. Yeah, they say never. So right, <laughs> I right. come to that point of not even, because I'll be like, I would never do this. Some things, if you have your qualities or things that you live by, yes. But there are certain things you might be like, I would never do this. And then before you realize, you find yourself doing something like that. Oh, man. And I, for me, I don't know. I feel like God deals with everybody differently. I don't even know why I started whispering, but I feel like with me specifically, no, seriously, I feel like especially those moments where, no, I would never do this. God is like, give me two days. And I learned that very quickly that during the times where I was very adamant about something, God, because I learned from experience, which is why I can't speak on things that most of the time I haven't gone through because I can't relate, Right. So God puts me in that situation and sometimes the situation is not. So sometimes when I get a question and I'm about to be a smart mouth, 
I just pause and hold myself because otherwise in two days, I'm going to find myself in that situation. So like now when I listen to people talk about like heated topics like abortion or politics or religion and things like that, I find myself saying, calm down. It's okay. Because I don't blame people like that. It's okay. So quickly, abortion. People that are like, I'm pro-life, I'm pro-life, I'm pro-life. I get it, completely get it. Mm -hmm. But I think if you don't find yourself in those exceptions where you even consider an abortion, Mm -hmm. you shouldn't, it's okay to say I am pro-life, but Mm -hmm. you shouldn't condemn somebody for being pro-life. Exactly, exactly. Because you will find, and I think I was doing these, my unsolicited posts before Mm -hmm. in the past where I wrote something and I said, be careful of the thing that you condemn so that you don't find yourself in the exact same place where you condemned somebody else for something you're about to do worse of. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. I find myself trying to make sure that sometimes you talk about you see certain people do certain things and you're like I will never do this like you see somebody with kids and the way the kids have turned the house upside down (laughs) not my kids and then you give birth to a tornado (laughs) I've just come to that place I'm just like you know what Joyce just calm down because you never know what yes because the kids these days they'd be on another level so (laughs) hey Charlie seriously (laughs) so things like that oh I see with my eyes and then I keep my mouth shut and I just keep it moving and that was a very good point because I found myself on Twitter and I grew up in Gambia so a lot of things that I'm from Ghana but I grew up in Gambia and there's a lot of things I see on Gambia and Twitter and I can't talk about it because I've not been in their shoes I don't know how to react. And I feel bad about it sometimes because it looks like, oh, I'm on social media, but I'm not talking about certain things. And here, some people out there, celebrities or stuff, people will talk about them and say, they don't talk about this. They don't talk about that. Some people have to keep quiet because they haven't worked in that shoe. So they don't even know what to say or how to say. So you making that point, it just made so much sense to me that I don't have to talk about, talk on every issue because something right. I don't know what to say. So Instead of going to say something that will really make it worse, let me just keep quiet. Let me on my own. <laughs> yeah. And sometimes you said it. You don't have to have an opinion about everything. They say that sometimes even a fool, if he is quiet, will be mistaken for a wise person. And so sometimes you just have to listen. You just have to, you don't have to give your opinion. I've been in situations where I've been asked my opinion and I said, I really can't give you one because I don't have all of my information or I really can't relate. And you're not going to beat me for saying I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's one thing people need to, because you saying, I don't know. Some people think that somebody saying you are stupid or something like that. Which is, yo, so Socrates, <laughs> which is so weird. I sound so much like a lawyer, but anyway, so Socrates, <laughs> right? <laughs> I was <laughs> studying this guy because again, like law school is Socratic. It's a Socratic method because we get that from Socrates because he used to teach about having people sit around and then discuss things amongst each other. So, And that's how law school is. You don't get a professor that's actually teaching you like college. You talk among yourselves so if you go home and you don't prepare everybody's going to do the next day that you didn't read your cases so i was really thinking about socrates and the way that he did things Mm -hmm. and i realized that one thing that made him seem so wise was the fact that he knew when to say i don't know that that is so powerful yeah because he was not scared to say i don't know what do Mm -hmm. you think yeah 
That's very good. So I think that was a changing moment for me. I'm like, oh, yeah, no, I'm not going to be scared to say I don't know because I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> I think it's just the fact that when we were in school, we, if you say you don't know, your teacher will beat you or something like that. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, it's like this shameful thing. That's why when you see like street quiz, you know, those things that they do on YouTube and stuff. And then they are showing these people in Ghana. You don't know the thing, but by force, you have to give an answer. And it's like, hey. Just say, I don't know, and keep it moving. <laughs> and be gone. Yeah, just making people have followers and... <laughs> then people are laughing at you. All right, then. What's the advice have you got for people that feel like it's hard to break barriers? I've just been going through so many things. I've failed so many times. I don't even know how to cross this hurdle. What advice have you got for them? How do they say it? Two things for, <laughs> what is it? Two things for sure. One thing for certain. <laughs> if you don't do it, that one you failed. Mm. That one, you've gotten a big honorary degree of failure. <laughs> but the fact that you get up and you fail, you mm -hmm. get up and you fail. Mm -hmm. One day when God, the stars, whatever you want to call it, lines up for mm -hmm. you, that's for certain that you can break barriers. Yeah. It is very possible. It is when you don't try, you don't do it at all. That one, I can 100% guarantee you that you never break barriers. Mm -hmm. But so far as you are trying, they have these sayings that somebody's miracle comes in the morning. Other mm -hmm. people's miracles comes in the afternoon. Somebody's comes at nighttime. So you just don't know. Let me give you the bar thing as an example. By the third time, I was ready to quit. Had I quit and not taken it that fourth time, what would have happened? And the funny thing, in that state that I was taking that bar, that was my last chance. If I didn't pass it that time, I could never take it in that state again. Wow. And because it's set up in a way where you don't know which one you could pass. Mm -hmm. So if you skip the one that you can't pass, then you are guaranteed to fill. So that's what I would say. Just don't give up. It's tough. I'm not a robot. I'm not this. I'm human too. I have a heart. My heart is not made out of stone. I have feelings. I cry. I cry when I need to cry in my pillow. If pillows could talk, right? So don't get me wrong. Don't think I'm making it seem like, oh, it's just all gravy and you can just get up and start. It is difficult. If you need to get a therapist to get you pumped, constantly do that. If you need to talk to your pastor, if you need to talk to your sisters, your friends, whoever, just to get you through, do that. Cry. Do not let anybody tell you that crying is a weakness. Cry if you need to. But when you're done, wipe those tears get up and do it again i feel like when you cry you, it's like you cry out all the way and then it's like you're okay and you're able to get up again <laughs> oh me i will cry right now i oh that one i don't know because like in my mind i've just gotten the confidence that crying is not a weakness so there's nothing you can tell me i will know me i will cry right now on cue same here i'll just be gone i'll just be like no this one and then i'll just be acting moody the whole day or something until i get myself figured out but it's okay to cry you just go with it and i just don't stay there exactly don't stay there and i think this goes back to what you were saying that about rejection and failure not rejection what's the word you used oh had i known what's the word there was a word you said about oh failure and then and i said it's a word i don't know what i remember that yeah part. no i said that i'm not as scared of failure as i am regret 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 is the word mm -hmm. i was looking for yes so now if you don't 
take that step of faith, you're going to regret. So what was actually coming to my mind is also when you fail, you're learning. You're learning every time that you fail. So by the time you get it right, listen, that big door that you have been looking for will be open up to you. Those finances that you need, because now you're a good steward of it, you get it. God is not, especially if you are a believer or even someone who worked by principles, God's not going to give you something that you're not prepared for. So you need to just take that step of faith and just whatever, like I said earlier, the lesson that you want to learn, God, teach me what I need to learn right now. Because maybe there's something you're not getting. You get it and then you move to the next step before you realize that the right doors will be just opening for you. Like, so I think, let me make it more practical. Mm-hmm. I think it was Thomas Edison that created the light bulb, right? And in his time, his IQ was like high back then. And when he discovered the whole light bulb thing, They were asking him, like, how do you feel? Oh, my gosh, you're a genius and everything. And he said, I discovered this by learning a thousand other ways about how not to light a light bulb. So it goes back to what you were saying, that if you fail, you're learning multiple ways not to do something. Mm -hmm. Because, see, there's nothing, even the Bible says this, there's nothing under the sun that is new. Right. There's going to be somebody else that is going to think, oh, let me do it this way. And you're going to look at them and you're going to say, oh, yeah. trust me. I tried yeah. that. It didn't work. It didn't work, right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it did not work. Yeah. Yeah. And that's when you become role models to other people where you're able to give advice. And, and which is mentors. One thing. That's exactly what I was coming to because you're talking about mentees, which is very good because after you've learned all the lessons, you've failed so many times, you can now have a person that is someone that you can advise and direct and lead in the right path and be like, you can do this. You can do it this way, you can, but you cannot do it the other way. But that's really good that you're, that's another way of giving back to other people as well. So grateful for what you're doing. I'm so proud of you. Keep breaking Thank barriers. you. <laughs> I love And thank see. you so much. You're welcome. I love to see you winning. I love to see, especially us Black women, winning there. And so grateful that you're able to make it on the podcast and share your story. I'm actually inspired. And anytime I like bring people on the podcast, I feel like there's a word somewhere there for me. And so yeah. I'm so glad that you, there's a point where you spoke to me. And I know it's God speaking to me. I'm so grateful that you were here. Thank you so, Thank you so, so much. much. It was such an honor. And I, my apologies for so long, but... Thank you so much. I love what you're doing and please keep doing it. You have a heart of gold. So Mm, I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you too. This was a fun conversation. So (laughs) all right then. Have a good evening. All right. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Barrier Breakers Corner podcast. If you liked what you heard, please give us a five-star review and subscribe to the show wherever you listen to your podcast. Also, share with those you think can benefit from this information. Please email all questions, suggestions, and compliments to the Podcast at gmail.com. The Barrier Breakers Corner Podcast is produced by the Podcast Laundry Production Company and executive produced by Joyce Donkor. The podcast music was written by Chidi Omenihu and produced by Andy Official in the Gambia, West Africa. Cause they can